Thanks for taking the time to listen to our 3D OrthoPro podcast. If you'd like to get any more information on Piro, 8Soul or Raptor, please visit our website at www.3dorthopro.com or drop us an email at info at 3dorthopro.com. Um, okay, so here we are back in the podcast realm and I am joined this evening by Matt Hart who is the senior podiatrist at ACE in Cardiff and Matt has very kindly come on to talk about plantar hemoplane which we've just talked before we started recording yes, about, yeah. <laughs> about how big a topic it is and our, and, our, and our aim of this is just to do four quick fire kind of questions so we can keep it short and sharp and uh and and you're going to condense it all so i can learn something too Matt. try and condense it all <laughs> as i possibly can not overcomplicate it as much as i possibly can perfect i mean yeah. that 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 for me works <clears throat> yeah yeah i think we'll just go through some kind of key key overview of some areas um and just just make it easy for people to kind of understand and understand the differences potentially that there yeah. are it's not just plantar fasciitis there are a number of other kind of diagnoses or conditions out there that it also could be perfect that that sounds great so i mean my first question for you is plantar heel pain what is it what is it so as a generic it's a localized pain within the plantar heel which can extend into the medial arch um normally of insidious onset um but with a multifactorial number of causes. So not just one cause, there's normally a load of others. Um, it's generally most prevalent um, as a soft tissue complaint, affecting generally 10% of all adults. Um, and it accounts for about 25% of all foot disorders in athletes. Uh, the most That's a big number. It's a big number, you know. Um, and we'll get on to all the differential diagnoses and the reasons why it probably is that high. Um, most common, obviously, is plantar fasciitis, as everybody's heard of. Um, but you've also got fat pad atrophy, calcaneal stress reaction, stress fracture, or nerve entrapments of the tibial nerve, uh, medial calcaneal nerve, and the first branch of the lateral plantar nerve or Baxter's nerve. Um, generally, plantar heel pain is characterized um, by first step pain, generally in the morning, yeah, which tends to be the most common. You know, yeah. you get out of bed and all of a sudden you put your foot down on the floor. Um, and I think it's sometimes like people will ask that question and the patient will go, no, I don't have that. And then you're automatically like, oh, what is it? That, that's it. And that's when you've then got a lot looking, well, it's, is it the plantar fasciitis, the most common one, or is it something else? You know, yeah. certainly from a sporting point of view, if the pain gets worse as the activity increases, you know, yeah. are we looking at bone stress, calcaneal stress reaction, stress fractures? Um, so there's, there's a number of differential diagnoses we can kind of look at as well. Cool. That was, I like that. I was very concise and, uh, yes. and, and, and well put together. So, and, and you kind of touched on a little bit there, like what, what are the main causes and the kind of risk factors that you see in clinic? I know that's, that's a big question again. It is. So generally, you know, plantar heel pain generally affects middle age to older adults. 
generally sedentary lifestyle. That's generally the more, most probably kind of individuals wise that probably you would see. That's probably not a very good term what I've used there. But... <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> this, is, this, is, this is podcast that you can say first, make up words. My first podcast. So, <laughs> make up, um, make up words. Good. Good. Yeah. It's and um, from, a, from a running point of view, generally accounts to 8% of all injuries okay. from a running perspective. Certainly yeah. when you're looking at the research and the evidence, it's generally about 8% of all running injuries. Common risk factors you would generally see include reduced ankle range of motion, reduced first MTPJ joint range of motion or big toe joint range of motion, um, the pronated foot type. According yeah. to evidence. For, for me, this is for me now. When you get the limited um, first MTP joint motion, do you find that the added stress comes from the extra work that it's going to do to at late stance? Is that is that the theory behind that? Because I, I, I've seen I, that a few times. Yeah, I've, t I've tended to look at some work. Um, Kevin Kirby, I think, is, is one that's looked at. And, you know, if I don't have that dorsiflexion, you tend mm -hmm. to get a plantar flexion moment at the okay. calcaneus, which okay. puts the strain through the fascia. Yeah, so make, it, that windless fact you get it has to go somewhere yeah so it tends to be i think based on the research that tends to be kind of the mechanism behind potentially why first empty visual function it, isn't it's funny as soon as you said like blind reflection woman at the you think okay well yeah, i kind of understood it but that makes absolute sense that that load is just not transferring through the that, first empty weeks it goes we don't get the back. tension in the midfoot you don't yeah. get that stability, so you get yeah. unstable, and that generally puts the, the strain through there. Um, what else do you get? Long periods of standing, prolonged standing um, yeah. as well. Common risk, you know, person-centered factors. Obviously, we've got to look at the biosocial, yeah. psychosocial factors then, and yeah. we've got obesity, person-centered. That's probably one of the biggest causes. Yeah. Sedentary lifestyle, and even according to research, you've got depression, anxiety, stress can also kind of increase those risks yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I would probably look at, you know, from a sports point of view, sleeping patterns as well. Yeah. Uh, diet, you know, all those kind of factors will probably have a have an effect to some degree as well. Increased training roads. I think that, it, I think this is where it gets lost a little bit sometimes is when we say, we start talking about sleep or not, and, and diet and stuff. We're not saying that's like the cause, but it's a contributory factor to... Like yeah, amongst the, all the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You have the stresses of training or lifestyle. You know, you have some of the common risk factors there, and you couple that with high stress, anxiety. Yeah. You know, that heightens the sensitivity of, of yeah. pain and problems. You know, or being injured makes you more anxious yeah, as well. So again, the, yeah. Yeah, soft tissue recovery as well is obviously um, reduced. Mm -hmm. um, so that puts more stress, obviously. You know, you could go into the chemical imbalances that that may cause as well. And um, I think I think that's it. That you you touched on that earlier. It's everybody comes in looking for it's one thing I've done something or it's an immediate reaction where, it, where it's never that. It's always an accumulation of something coupled with like four or five other things, which can then get added onto again if it's absolutely. been lying for ages and you then yeah, to kind of unpick it all. Yeah, and that constant overload, constant stress at some point will, the tissues will just go, I can't cope with it anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, need a rest. And obviously you then get that breakdown 
And then generally with people, you tend to see they come not straight away. They'll leave mm-hmm. it, leave it, and leave it. Um, a couple of years. More, more <laughs> chronic, yeah, absolutely. And then the recovery takes even longer. And yeah. that's what people probably don't realize is actually the longer you leave things, mm-hmm. and actually the longer you leave getting an accurate diagnosis of what it po- possibly is, yeah, the more chronic and the more or the longer the recovery is going to take. Yeah. And, and that's why for some people, I think it probably takes one year, certainly with kind of fascial problems, you're probably looking at one year, potentially two year in the real mm-hmm. chronic states. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that doesn't just apply to plantar heel pain. That's, that goes across every injury we haul. I am you know, guilty. Like, yeah. leave it until I can barely walk and then like, ah, oh, probably, exactly. probably see some of it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. such a weird mindset that we all have. Yeah, I mean, you could say it for, you know, a good example, stress fractures or, or you know, stress reaction at the earlier stages. If, if that isn't sorted or properly recovered and it becomes a stress fracture, mm-hmm. then your period out is going to be so much longer. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so it, it just doesn't matter whether it's a fascial soft tissue, whether it's bone, um you know the kind of principles are roughly kind of going to be the same yeah it's a, yeah i totally agree and so treatment options what 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 do you tend to yeah, so I, I, I don't do, know if you want to put them together with certain types or do you find that they're yeah, quite similar I, mean, I tend to follow kind of that that 2021 review paper that came out by morrissey and colleagues and yeah and looked at those best practice guidelines yeah, I, I did a blog on that, plug my yeah. blog. <laughs> so I, I really, really follow, I follow that. So, you know, we'll go down, certainly down the, the key thing, patient education. Yeah. Yeah, key thing. Because there's yeah. lots of things they could be doing from a load management point of view, um, you know, weight management, things like that, footwear yeah. considerations. Yeah. Um, all those considerations will be done first, along with, you know, stretching, taping, you know. Yeah individual yeah. kind of education based around them generally after six weeks maybe we get them back in for a review yeah has they calmed down has it not you know or you know are we looking 12 weeks down the line as things calm down not calm down and then you would possibly look at shockwave therapy custom insoles mm-hmm. do you uh, think custom I, I, do you think custom over off the shelf or uh, I, I think it depends on the person yeah i Personally, when I see it, it, I tend to, they tend to, yeah, it's chronic and they, they come in and, you know, I'll try some taping to, and, and sometimes use the taping as a gauge to whether or not that's going to, whether I think an insole might help. Yeah. And, and, and actually taping for this, the six weeks can, can sometimes be enough. Yeah. Footwear choices, you know, change yeah. the footwear, you know, instead of wearing something like a Skechers that's really soft and flexible when they actually need some stability or integrity in that midfoot can yeah. just calm things down again cushioning at the heel you know sometimes pop them in a hoka shoe yeah really cushion nice rocker through there it just offloads that heel area it yeah. calms things down without really needing anything else although the, the experience my experience of hoka is i love the 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 foam and i love the the fit but like they're the pitch for me is just a bit of a struggle so forever yeah. adding heel forever adding heel elevators in there and, yeah, it's and, only a five. It's only a five mil. So, that's... and then and then having conversations with people that are probably the hardest conversation after diagnosis is like footwear, right? <laughs> Choosing footwear yeah. is literally a minefield. Yeah, it's so I mean, complex even, these days. Yeah, I mean, even if Hoka's got the pitches too small, you could go to things like the endorphin shift in Sockney, which yeah. I think is about yeah. an eight mil shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even kind of the Asics Glide Rise. 
I think it's about eight or ten mil. Yeah, yeah, I think they're a bit more generous. There are a few other shoes out there that if if you don't have that ankle dorsal flexion that we were talking yeah. about, with one of those risk factors, pitch it with a, perhaps a heel raise or something like that. Yeah. Um, just to help. Um, yeah, I, I find like I love hokers, like so I just mm. I just have to put the wedge in and then it and then I'm like, okay, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, going back to what you say, do you go custom, do you not off the shelf? Depends on the individual, what they present yeah. for. Yeah, you've got somebody who's, let's say, I don't know, a bit overweight, let's say yeah. 15, 16, 17 stone, let's, let's say, yeah. or 100 kilograms, um, is an off-the-shelf, quite soft, you know, yeah. if we see any kind of increased mobility, perhaps in the midfoot or yeah. whatever, biomechanical aspects it's the same principle you apply to anything isn't it yeah is it going to be strong enough to cope is it going to be strong enough to offload those stresses yeah i think i'm always there as well like how 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 strong do you need to make the their thosis for a for a a plantar heel pain problem it's like you make it make sense you know just try and apply the same principles as you would normally it depends on the individual it really Mm -hmm. does you know somebody who's let's say 50 kilograms you know, may have the same problem, yeah. but the actual dosing of, of the insole or yeah. the orthosis is going to be completely different to True. somebody with 100 kilograms. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach. I think my my, my decision-making is obviously it's difficult because there's a, such a hit-and-miss sometimes with plantar heel pain and, and orthosis, it's, and, and especially when you're delving into custom, that's why I try and do the taping as a, yeah. as a kind of, well, yeah. do I think this will work? Um and obviously, then biomechanical exam and yeah, you know, we, a bit. You know, I might, I might even try off the shelf, just modify it slightly to see see if we get a result. Certainly, if they don't want to go into taping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. Be- you know, some people don't want it. They, they struggle with it anyway. They might not like it. So yeah. you know, they may feel a bit more comfortable in an insult. Yeah. Um, so you may just try and modify an off the shelf to start with. Yeah. If they've got some, you know, biomechanical issues yeah yeah i know what you mean sometimes sometimes they're not that obvious structural issues there as well you know you may you may eventually require a custom but not always i think it really depends on the individual their their strength and conditioning as well their conditioning of the muscles the tendons they got any underlying health conditions you know any kind of do do you any specific kind of strength conditioning stuff do you like to advise because that's obviously an area which is more and more inside yes. both our professions that we're kind of yeah. so leaning we're on loading programs you know certainly from a plantar fascial point of view you know we'll get either the, the plantar plaid the I was, that's plaid, exactly what i was thinking fighter, you, yeah, rolled yeah. up towel yeah. loading through there you may do some mobility exercises um at the ankle if there's restriction yeah um car strengthening yeah you know we could even look at posterior tibial tendon issues as yeah. well yeah even that midfoot if it's quite mobile that may actually cause stress within the, the spring ligament and then the fascia mm-hmm. um secondary so you know making sure that the posterior tibialis eccentrically is slowing things down is controlling those movements i think is really really important yeah yeah that's that's a good one it's a really good point you know so you know like again there's no generic. I I, I will always take each individual case as it comes, and I'll place a plan specifically around that individual. 
but using the principles, generally using the principles that I, I tend to see, certainly in that Morrissey and colleague review paper. And when you get to like the, 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 the experimental box on that, uh, which is like injection, do you, how, how long do you try and keep, I mean, this in here it kind of says like oh, just over 14 weeks and then I, it's like, do you yeah. consider it? I, you know, I, I've got to be honest, I would try everything for a good 12 to 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. And if I'm getting no response in anything, then I may use it as a last resort, refer okay. over as a yeah. last resort for that. Yeah. Um, but I would probably try and work on all those other areas because, to be fair, you know, if things don't calm down, it's probably the option that they require. Um, yeah. They would certainly need to try all the other options first, unless they're in highly severe pain. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've, it's funny because I've seen people in different who have been through that pathway or that guideline in the most random orders. They, they've almost started with like an yeah. injection and then they've had shockwave and then they've had some exercises and then they've come to be like, last, or can we try some? Yeah, I've, some I've, had, people, yeah, I've had people Just, exactly the same, you know, that mm-hmm. have had, I think, four corticosteroid injections. Then they've gone through a course of um, shockwave therapy. Yeah, and and comes to a point where they possibly even cause more damage, and that that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, what does that do to it when you've been through it in such a strange order? Which yeah, and certainly I say not strange. It's just that nobody had put it in an order until last year. Steroid injection perhaps isn't ultrasound guided. Have they hit the right tissue? You know that that's the other thing. You know, if things haven't calmed down, you know, there's no guarantee steroid injections work. But that I think, you know, I think they are an option if the pain is highly severe and okay. they, they cannot tolerate maybe an insole, they can't tolerate shockwave therapy. Okay, when is that real? They can't do any conditioning because it's too painful. Yeah. It may be the case that actually you would initially potentially go down that route or an offloading boot or something like that. Yeah, when it's the real severe. But it would have to be severe, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm, uh, I'm glad you've seen that as well. Ooh, like you've gone mad when you think yeah, they've already yeah. had an injection. Seen it. Um, so I guess the other bit that is is interesting is for me as well, just to see how you approach it. Is like what advice do you give them about like returning or beginning to increase activity level? Because you already talked about the loading yeah. program with like plantar pad or calf yeah. exercises and stuff like that. And then at what point are you saying because it's never as clear cut as they've got no pain, right? You can go back. Is what? Where do you kind of go with with that I, return to exercise? My my view would be, yeah, depending on the severity of pain. Again, you know, if you've got somebody who's only ever hit, let's say, a four out of ten on the vascular, mm-hmm. you could probably start loading them straight away. Yeah, yeah. You just you just minimise the stress and start and then, loading them and strengthen things up really early on, and then and, probably have a gradual phase to return. Yeah, somebody who's, just monitoring reaction is key, isn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. And somebody but who presents, let's say, with a seven or eight out of ten, mm-hmm. my first thing would be get that pain level, get them, you know, be able to stand and walk mm-hmm. below a five out of ten, below a four yeah. out of ten first. So we would look to reduce that stress. Mm-hmm. Maybe do some kind of basic conditioning. Yeah. I don't want to stop them doing everything straight away. If we can maintain yeah. some conditioning. Like general then, whole body conditioning, you mean just yeah, keep, keep moving? Yeah, and it may be using resistance bands to yeah. start with, okay. um, you know, and just getting them active, you know, maybe working on some ankle mobility stuff, some calf strength, strengthening if there's some weakness in that area. Yeah, there's, there's two angles to that, though, isn't there? There's the, 
athlete who needs to be fed something and then there's the people who uh are perhaps don't do much exercise but work on their feet all day yeah I, that's and that, i think the second category there is, is so difficult to manage they're generally harder because they're quite happy to spend all day on their feet because of because of the demands of work and well, but they won't do the conditioning if there's any weaknesses there yeah. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being very stereotypical. Yeah, no, no, I, that, that that's like the most extreme situation. No, no, that's true. There are people out there that would that would probably just overload it because they're on their feet constantly. Yeah. But where they actually that probably, middle ground, they probably need to actually calm things down a bit. Yeah, but they can't get off their feet because of, yeah, that that's the that's the tricky. That's the one. hardest thing. So yeah. that way, you would probably use offloading devices potentially in their footwear to perhaps help. Yeah. Loading boots, or but something. they're much slower, more slow burner to, nice. to change. Yeah. They'll take a lot longer generally to recover. Yeah. Um, maybe they're, they're slightly older in age as well, compared mm -hmm. with somebody who's yeah. more competitive in their sport or, or yeah. more regular participant, you know, in their sport. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, taking that high pain level initially, once we've got that down to a manageable level, you know, and they can kind of walk with very low pain levels, then you would start a progressive load program, you know probably identify is there any of those key risk factors and work on those areas um and a gradual progressive increase yeah. in in kind of that load um to the point where they they're able to kind of perform or yeah. their daily activities or perform their sport where they were previously i find as well as, as going along that that the book sits alongside that is that it's not us that shoulder all the responsibility and tend to educate and and in understanding what yeah. feedback they're getting from their own body so that they can judge it as well yeah. like that, that i mean that's not easy to do it it takes takes time to learn but to trial trial and error is unfortunately we have and you know all you're really trying to do certainly in my view is is improve the tissue's capacity to cope with the load or the stresses that are being um yeah, in the later stages, definitely yeah. when you're trying to get back to it, you, you want to make it better for the long term so that it doesn't yeah. less chance of recurrence. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, the better condition the area is, the more it can cope with the stresses. You know, yeah. and, you know, and that should all and that should always be gradual. You know, I, I think I think probably certainly from a podiatry point of view as a profession, we probably don't spend enough time looking at rehab progressions. Yeah, we're quite happy to refer over to a physio, but you know, I, I personally think there's no reason why podiatrists can't certainly for the foot and ankle, yeah, do those those rehab exercises as well, you yeah. know, and plan that with the patient. You know, because yeah. if you're seeing the patient initially, you kind of want to work with that patient through. You know, if they're if you know, I, I would probably use a physio if if probably. I wasn't getting any any results with my rehab. I would mm -hmm. then, then look at a physio. Yeah. And I, I would certainly, you know, and I'd probably then send to maybe, you know, from a sports point of view, mm -hmm. I'd probably go to a strength and conditioning coach for le late stage sports specific yeah. yeah. kind of conditioning. Yeah. Agreed. Um, that you know, my view in the in the early to mid rehab point of view is if I was getting if I wasn't seeing improvements, mm -hmm. maybe within 12 weeks. Yeah, but I would then refer to a physio after that. Yeah. You're probably having a discussion about what's the next step in, in that yeah. guideline, really, as well. Because you'd be like, you could see a physio who can then perhaps offer a 
if they think they've done it, you probably have covered everything, then they're probably going to be like, oh, you know, do you want a shockwave unless you shockwave as well? Because I'm just yeah, making that assumption. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, and I've had some good results um, mm. with certainly when I've combined it with loading programs. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get them loading progressively in between each treatment. Yeah. Um, yeah monitor the pain levels, you know, and I actually had one quite recently and got them back running after, I think, nearly 12 months of not being able to run. Yeah. Um, so within literally a six-week period, we ha- we got them back running yeah. with no pain. So Yeah, amazing. It's really good results. But, it, you know, like I say, you've got to take everything as an individual. And Yeah, that's, that's hard, isn't it? Because everybody is so hard. different. Yeah. Yeah. to try and not make it genetic like they really try to help you but you just yeah. they are they are good because some people just won't respond to that yeah, I know, yeah that, if that, they're that. not responding that's when another reason why you would potentially refer on if they're not that's, that, that, that's our daily challenge it is <laughs> it makes it exciting it makes it enjoyable. <laughs> well i think i think well we've been maybe 20 minutes there yeah which i think we have covered that, that topic very nicely so Thank you, Matt, for no, your time and your, and your input. And yeah. uh, we'll, we'll need to find another topic because you're very knowledgeable, yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, I'll be sure to get <laughs> to you again. Oh, if you've got if you've got any any topics, feel free. <laughs> okay, perfect. Cheers, Matt. Thank you for Cheers. joining us. You're welcome. Take care.